Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 underway, Thursday edition, Sweet 16 edition of the show. 6th and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us, the entire crew here. Big show today. Trey Wallace of Outkick.com will join us, SEC headlines and more. We have Armando Salguero in hour number two, and we will discuss the teams that are remaining, uh, trying to remain within the playoff contention and Super Bowl contention with offseason moves. The go-for-it mentality of the offseason in full effect. Armando joins us to discuss all that and a full preview of the Sweet 16. Gentlemen. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Excited about today's show. I'm a little bit more cash today than usual uh, with the wardrobe. Got my first coaching game tonight. It's uh, opening night for Evie's softball team. Opening night. So I'll be leaving straight from the show (laughs) to head that way. And um, here's what I've learned, boys. Um, I can take this jacket off and put my Red Sox coach's shirt on quickly. And I have mastered. I don't know who all can do this. I feel like women can do anything while driving including putting their makeup on, I can take a route home as long as I'm not on the interstate and change pants, change shoes, do everything to get ready for a different event while driving. But I've got to get stop so- I got to get stoplights. So when you I might- get to the stoplight, so I'm saying this is a warning. If you're close to me on the way home, on the way to the game, you may see me pantless at a stoplight. Well, but yeah. it, I mean... It- can you imagine pulling up next to Chad at a stop sign or a stoplight? And no, I mean we wouldn't know. You just see him. I mean, you look over and you're like, what's that guy doing? Business up top, party it's like, down low. It's like Rod, the, the Rodman clip from the Jordan thing. Where he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> doing the Vogue. Yeah. Oh, so uh, is it game number one tonight? Game number one, opening night up up. is tonight. Uh, Red, I'm, I'm not gonna Red say Sox Red Sox versus. Hutton's Mariners, <laughs> the team go. of your childhood, our opening night game uh, against the Mariners. So you, you need to put Edgar that. Martinez on base tonight. Yeah, I, w- I will. Jay Buhner also is going to get a pass Buhner, to first base. I'm, we're Griffey. not about to pitch to that guy. <laughs> not about to pitch to Jay Buhner. Oh, if I, so if I coach and when the Intro gets team, up, uh, you might as well just go ahead and put him on. If I coach the Little League team and we were the Mariners, I would 100% order Griffey cleats for all of them. Like you, everybody's wearing Griffey's. Also, a nice yeah. touch would be if you wore the hat backwards, the way yeah. Griffey would in, in batting practice. Everywhere, you know, but just wear it the whole game. Everyone's hat, 24. 24. Com- yeah, com- complete, complete confusion for the score. Oh. Simon's got JV game number two tonight. I'll be sprinting to catch the back third of that game. It's a big say. and cold night uh, yeah. for uh, softball and baseball, but it's a big night for us. I just had a. a, a no, uh, an encounter, encounter, an encounter in the in the men's restroom here. What a start to the yes, show! Yes. Um, Leave that hang in let's the. Let's get it right to it. You, you know how uh, encounter, I, and, and I end up leaving like feeling 
Hey, dumb, coincidence, dumber. Jacob Swanson is back, by the way, and then you have an encounter yes. in the bathroom. This did um, not involve him, though. Bathroom encounter. So, uh, uh, Old Smoky, Yeehaw, they get a ton of visitors, international visitors. I Most mean, visited distillery in the world. Yes, and there, there are tours galore, especially of the bath- in the early afternoon. And uh, several times we've, we've met people from you know Scotland, uh, Denmark, had, uh, had a Pete. crew here uh, what, two or three months ago. Anyway, I don't know where this gentleman's from, but he does not speak English. And the hand blowers, the hand dryers in the men's restroom. They're complex. He looked at it like he had no idea what it was. It's no, a, no clue. It's and an I, odd I, angle hand I was dry. washing my hands, and he was like, his hands were like drip drying, right? And I, I, he was watching I you went over and dried my hands, and he was watching me do it. And he, was, and he started mimicking me next to the hand. And I looked over like, what is going on? And then I realized one of his buddies was, I don't know what language it was, but Did they, had never, they it, had never, they can't speak English. Was it a beautiful so I'm like, language? So I'm like, I'm miming how to use this to this gentleman. And, you know, there's, I mean. Did they get if it? You, if if you're you? traveling internationally, there's English on the wall somewhere. Yeah. At least that has been my experience. Right. Not the case here in Yeehaw Smoky. Rate the sound of the language. Was it a beautiful language? Was it a guttural language? Yeah, I mean... A lot of languages I, are pretty. It wasn't, it wasn't Italian. <laughs> um, I, but, Italian being a 10. Yeah, so I, I don't know. But he, um, he, he was able did to dry his it? hands. Yeah, he did. But he I, I left going like, pants. how did I not handle that situation better? I was, like, I was trying to show him how to use well, it, but y- the at the same time... The fact that he did it, by the time he got done, I'd say job well done. You effectively communicated how to use that hand dryer if he did it. <laughs> Simon speaks perfect All, English, and he dries his hands. Well, I mean, if you, he dries his hands on his pants, no matter what the state also, of the like, hand dryer. I, I, well, well, there I'm may have been a botched the, handoff with it, but it, you got the ball to the chest I'm, eventually. I'm walking back to the studio so, thinking, there is a man on earth that did not know what a hand dryer was until today. Well, I will say, these hand dryers are uncommon. They, they, they operate on a diagonal, and most yeah, hand dryers are straight airport. down or straight up. Yeah, and I, I don't, I'm, I'm anti-hand dryer. I want, uh, give, give me a, you know, a napkin or a towel, yeah, uh, something in there. And, it, you know, the ones at the airport, you know, you put your hands down in them, like mitts. And that, there's no way that's sanitary. And there's um, also, David's got a lot of thoughts on. Uh, there's no uh, way. Those, I feel like I'm playing operation also. Like, I'm always touching the sides of where <laughs> yes, else touches. Exactly. I'm like, how? The, the, the steadiness of your hands that it has to be to get in there without touching anything <laughs> while you're trying to dry your hands. It's Do we want to let David give his spiel about these hand dryers? David Reed, your thoughts. Three words. Airborne fecal, fecal matter. matter. Yeah, I've heard this so many times. I don't disagree with I, you. I just I, I try not to think about those things, though. I, I acknowledge the existence. Yeah, you treat it I like a hotel bed. I try not to bed. think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Simon heard a report like You're this. You're just going to drive know. yourself nuts thinking about everything that's gone that's on why, everywhere you've been. Yeah. He dries his hands on his pants. He, he's concluded that that is more uh, safe germline. Uh, well, I, th- I think it's a matter, matter of convenience than, than everything else. Chad, do you laziness. think, how would Paul have handled the bathroom situation? Come on, Chief. Like, oh, he probably would have. Uh, don't you know how to use a hand dryer? Yeah, it, it would have been very similar to the guy who fell on us in New York City. Where he'd be like, come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I might have broken into I might have broken into an inappropriate Kirby accent. <laughs> that too. As uh, I tried to explain. Yes. Uh, with Kirk, a lot of hand gestures. Kirby, for those Kirby, listening, uh, a former, former engineer, engineer who you don't know. Kirby would be able to tell you the exact <laughs> nationality. A man of, of 10,000 accents. Uh, but, but was on the show a couple of weeks ago. You can go to our YouTube From channel. From Indianapolis. 
for a one-on-one interview to learn of the man who has an answer for everything. Well, you know, Hutton, that Kirby would have been able to immediately tell you what country these gentlemen were from. Oh, Kirby sure. has cooked bratwurst, uh, bratwurst under these hair He, he would have. Uh, like, these gentlemen are Malaysian. Please, let me take over here. Their tradition this. is Kirby to, would have translated uh, for me. Wash their hands backwards. Yeah. <laughs> First they heat them, and then they wet them. Uh, coming up, Trey's going to join us uh, in about 10 minutes from now. Uh, guys, Sweet 16 tonight. And things tip off with Gonzaga and Arkansas uh, just after 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central tip-off. The Zags favored by 8.5. And and this was upwards of 10 points earlier this week at FanDuel. Um, Look, Arkansas, both of these teams played in the Elite Eight one year ago. They meet in the Sweet 16 this season. And I think this is a potentially great game to kick off the, the eight matchups that we have. Yeah, Arkansas really hasn't played well in their last few games, but here they are. Once again, second straight year, Sweet 16 for the Razorbacks. I think the, the first game and last game are going to be the best of the night. I know everyone wants to talk about Duke, Texas Tech. Should be a good one. I like, <clears throat> excuse me, I like game one and game four the most today. Yeah, uh, game four being Arizona and Houston uh, that will uh, be tipping off after Villanova and Michigan are complete. Villanova, Michigan, and Houston, Arizona are your TBS games. Arkansas, Gonzaga, and Texas Tech and Duke will be on CBS with Nance. It's a decent chance to, to read the, uh, the expert opinions that Coach K is uh, doing his final work of his illustrious career tonight. I think he is. I think he is. I mean, Texas Tech does not make anything easy. And they don't let and you score in the paint. When you consider that, I mean, I'm going back to the the Tennessee-Texas Tech game that was back in December at at Madison Square Garden. They just play a different style defensively that smothers you. And when you can, I mean, there's not great defenses played in the ACC. I think, uh, Chad, uh, Wake Forest had the best ACC defense among college basketball teams. They're ranked 41st nationally. Well, and it's it's also... Griffin, A.J. Griffin playing tonight, which Coach K confirmed, is big. I highlighted that earlier this week. He is their three-point shooter. So Texas Tech is best in the country against two-pointers. And number one they in need someone to borrow them from three. And there's an art to getting teams to shoot low percentage from three. And Texas Tech can do that as well. But I think Griffin was going to be a must for Duke. Uh, I see it as a toss-up game. I don't know who I'm picking right now in this one, but it should be a really good one. This, though, to me, definitely is the style matchup you did not want to see if you're a Duke fan. Averaging 13 points in the paint. They're allowing 13 points in the paint on average. Duke's going to have to shoot really well. Yes. Which is, which is crazy. Well, but also consider, um, other than their, their game against the 15-seed Cal State Fullerton, in their, their most recent opponents, Duke's recent opponents, have averaged 76 points against them. If Texas Tech scores 76 points, Duke's not winning the game. Period. Well, Texas Tech, they're, they're a team that, this sounds easy to say for anyone, but if they're hitting shots from the outside, it's over because their defense is always there. They don't have off nights on defense. They have the occasional on night on offense. Yeah. That's where you're going to get run out of the gym by them. So they're always going to keep the thing close regardless of who they're playing because their defense, they're not a great offensive team. They're good. They're better than people would think, but 
Not a great offensive team. So if their outside shots are falling, look out. And for Duke, to me, it's, it's a must. The way they defend, which is not very well, that they're getting some good looks and knocking them down from three. And this is your classic uh, senior or, or upperclassman-led team in Texas Tech against a young Duke lineup. All of the leading scores are juniors or seniors for Texas Tech. It's the opposite for Duke. But Coach K recruits. I'm, I'm, with, I'm, I'm more on the side of Paul where I normally not, I'm not rooting for Duke, but I don't want Coach K to be ousted just yet. Yeah, I feel that For way. the storyline. Yeah, I, I want Gonzaga and Duke to stay in this thing. Uh, for as long as possible. So I'm, I'm rooting for Duke for the story of Coach K continuing, but it's a tough matchup. Texas Tech also very deep. They'll play 11 or 12 guys. They'll, they'll stay fresh with how they defend throughout the game. So one of the deeper teams. Arkansas is the thinnest team from a bench standpoint. Texas Tech may be the deepest team left in this tournament. And then the final game tonight, uh, Chad gave a, a, a brief uh, idea of what this game's going to be like between Arizona and Houston. This is, I think, the heavyweight matchup of the, of the evening. Arizona's favored by a point and a half, and, and here's Houston where, I mean, they, they just get after you. They are playing with a swagger and a mentality where they made the Final Four a year ago. They graduated four starters from that lineup, and here they are again with Kelvin Sampson. If Texas Tech is the poison to Duke and their style, same can be said for Houston. Uh, best team that's left, offensive rebounding, Arizona, terrible. They gave up 20 offensive rebounds against are, TCU, yeah. and that is the strength for Houston. And they turned the ball over 35 times in two games. Arizona, as a one seed, has to play a lot better to survive to survive Houston. Well, here's, here's the big thing for Arizona that I was surprised by. They have a clear size advantage. They got two seven-footers. TCU out-rebounded them in their, in their game last weekend. I was shocked by that. That's an effort thing, right? Absolutely. It's also a, it's also a shot selection thing. When you got little guys who are quick to the ball, and Houston's got a lot of this also, the guys that get after it, you can get a lot of long rebounds offensively. But Bruce Pearl teams mastered that. Yeah, you're not rebounding for your own threes very often. Yeah, I mean, when you've got the size advantage and you're shooting shots down low and getting multiple opportunities, that's where you get the size advantage. When you got guys like Coloco uh, for for Arizona, I mean, they've got some. Big dudes down low. Tubalus is another one. Yeah. I mean, they've got guys down low, but when you're shooting a bunch of threes, those teams know how to go get the rebound uh, on those outside shots. TCU was doing a lot of that. You know, and it's, it's, an, it's an effort thing and a quickness thing at times with offensive rebound, not just size. And that's where some teams get Arizona. Houston, if you're looking at teams in this tournament – that can do that to you, could definitely do it to Zona, it's the Cougars. I think people are so – this is one of those games where people are so heavily into Houston that I start to lean Arizona. I, I think Houston, by and large – I mean, if you're filling out a bracket, you had this matchup, but by and large, I think a lot of people reluctantly advanced Houston in, instead of picking them because Charm. they are in the Final Four a year ago. I, yeah. Houston's been treated like UCLA in this tournament. I think they've been completely overlooked. I, I don't like um, – trying to think of a nice way to say this. Uh, I like it a lot more in Arizona and Gonzaga and teams that, that free flow and play offense that way, advance in the tournament, as opposed to seeing a ton of success for Houston and Texas Tech. Yeah. Just from a – They're not a flow team. Just from a what I want to see in the Final Four standpoint 
Uh, all due respect to how those teams defend and They're the way Houston and Texas Tech gets after you. But I want to see a reward for those teams that just score all over the place. Purdue's another one. Purdue's not a great defensive team, and they can score. They put five guys out there, including Jaden Ivey, who can score at will. So I like to see those teams advance a little bit more. Only three teams remain in the Big Ten and SEC combined. Guys, if I asked you which team wins tonight, would you select Big Ten and Michigan or SEC and Arkansas? I think they both lose. I think Arkansas. If you had to pick one to win, who wins? Arkansas. If I had to pick one, Arkansas. Uh, Gonzaga showed some holes against Memphis, and I, we still haven't seen a great, a good performance from Arkansas. Again, since that second half in Knoxville, the last regular season game of the season, they've really not played well. They struggled in a win against LSU. They really struggled getting blown out by NM. They weren't great in a, a close win against Vermont in round one. They were terrible offensively against New Mexico State and survived and advanced in that one. Arkansas, to me, is a team that's due a big offensive performance against Gonzaga. So I'll take Arkansas on that one, although would not completely shock me if Michigan gets it done again. Vegas thinks that it's, it's Michigan. It's going to be Michigan. Closer. I go Arkansas by nose only because I'm slightly more in on Nova than I am on the Zags, though I'm very in on both of them. Biggest storylines remaining in the tournament both tip off tonight in the same, in the same city. Uh, you've got... Coach K and Duke, Texas Tech, and then prior to that, Gonzaga uh, taking on Arkansas. Coming up, we will chat with Trey Wallace. Uh, we'll hit the biggest SEC headlines. That includes some football headlines. We'll start with an SEC coach getting a contract extension. That's all straight ahead. First, though, Aurora NutriScience, VitaLifeScience.com. V-I-D-A, LifeScience.com is the website where you can see more information on how Aurora NutriScience keeps us mentally sharp and healthy with their supplements. You can receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. All of our season ticket holders with the show receive this discount. Just type in OUTKICK360 at checkout. Typical pills and capsules, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. But here's Aurora. Unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I personally use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, the glutathione. They taste great. Simple, single-use package. You can grab and go with the mornings. Uh, you can put it in your shake, in your yogurt, whatever it might be. Again, uh, the taste is phenomenal. Aurora supplements absorbed in the bloodstream through the GI tract, ensuring it's not wasted like a typical capsule or pill. Visit VitaLifeScience.com, V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com for more information. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at VitaLifeScience.com. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. 
Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Coming up in an hour, Armando Salguero of Outkick.com will join us. He is the NFL columnist for the site, and he's covering the Tyreek Hill presser that's taking place right now. By the way, interesting headline that we can hit coming up in about 20 minutes. Deshaun Watson, it was announced, he will be made available and have the introductory press conference in Cleveland tomorrow. But then, this was before news came out that yesterday a second grand jury yep. heard the case. So I don't know if he will be available or not tomorrow. His physical is supposed to be today. The, yeah, second, the second grand jury is hearing one accuser's case in a different county. Yes. South of Houston. And it's not a so new separate accusation. separate county, not a new accusation. Someone else came forward with criminal, criminal. charges outside of the nine, and uh, they will hear that Ooh. case now. So, that, that, well, no, they, they, they heard it yesterday. Yeah, yeah, they heard okay. it. But I'm saying the grand jury now has not made a decision on whether or not to they press charges. Yeah, they, the grand jury in a different county heard it yesterday, um, and this morning news came out that that had occurred but news also was released that yeah, Deshaun Watson is going to make, be made available tomorrow. Wouldn't that be something if they moved forward with criminal charges after the lack of criminal charges opened the door on all these teams pursuing him and yeah. this guaranteed contract, well, but the, massive guaranteed but they contract, have, and now he faces a criminal But charge. don't they have some outs within that contract yes. about this? Yeah, um, they do. We would, that would come to light for sure. But what a, what a turn of events it would be. We say hello to Trey Wallace of Outkick.com. Covers the SEC for the site. Trey, hope you're doing well. Uh, doing good, Gus. Glad to, to be on with you for another week. And uh, just, just rolling along. Lots of news going out there today across the NFL, SEC, college football, you name it. Quickly, I just wanted to ask you about David Cutcliffe's tenure as a consultant at Texas. Uh, what did you think he contributed to the Longhorn program? <laughs> I, I thought it ended up really well. You know, I, I thought he did what he had to do. He got in, got out, you know, and, and gave Sarkeesian just about uh, as much information as he needed. So it I'll worked tell, out well for him. I'll tell you exactly what he contributed. Manning and recruiting. Well, he hasn't yet. <laughs> he helped. He tried to help. But uh, last I checked, Arch Manning has not committed yet no, uh, but anywhere. But that's that was the reason he was there, hired. There's a reason Texas was mentioned among the top teams. And it, just a coincidence that Cutcliffe was there as soon as that that list well, came out. There's no consolation prize for finishing second uh, for a player like Arch Manning or anyone else. Trey, Tennessee didn't finish second uh, for Nico out of California. Just from a broad standpoint, what type of message does this send now to other recruits and to the rest of the SEC? That's a shot across the bow uh, in college football. Tennessee's not playing around anymore when it comes to recruiting. Whether that be what Josh Hype on his staff do or whether that be what nil collectives do um in knoxville um it, it, it's just a plain message that hey look we're we're going to come after the top talent um you know recruiting restrictions be damned 
um, it, it's time to set forth a new path in Knoxville. And I think that's what that message is. When you, when you land a big-time quarterback, and I, I've spoken with a couple people about this in Power 5 conferences over the last few days. When, when you land a quarterback like that, it just sets up the groundwork for what you're going to do in recruiting uh, for the rest of the class. But it also sends a message to the other schools that, hey, look, we're, we're really not messing around anymore. Uh, we, we know what the previous uh, regime uh, was was doing when it comes to recruiting and the one before that, you know, and, and Tennessee hasn't been up to par, uh, especially at the quarterback position in a very long time. And I know a lot of people can point out Harrison Bailey or what Garantano was coming out of high school, but this is a game changer. You get a player like Nico uh, at, at Tennessee, and, and from all we've heard, the, the future looks very bright for him, and, and now it does for, uh, for Joey Hazel and for Josh Heupel. So we got spring practice happening now with some SEC programs. Bryce Young is the top quarterback in the conference. There, there's no debate about that going into this year. Trey, what do you think about the battle for the second spot in the conference at quarterback? And is Spencer Rattler someone seriously under consideration for that spot? And what do you think about the start he's had? I know it's only been a couple practices, but for Shane Beamer's squad there at South Carolina. Yeah, talking talking with people in, around South Carolina, he and I wrote about it the other day. You know, he is really mentally grasped everything that's gone on in Columbia. It's kind of like he's turned the page a little bit from the craziness that went down in Norman last year, year before that, all the hype that came into you know his season last year, and for it's all just kind of go down the drain. Uh, there was a lot of crazy things going on out in Oklahoma, but it's a fresh start in, in, at South Carolina. Um, you know, and and talking with Beamer, Shane Beamer. You know, a month ago, you know, this is somebody who's come in with an attitude that he wants to get the job done. He wants to win the job. He's up for the competition, Chad. Um, and I think the biggest thing, too, is relationship that you're you're building uh, on the team. You know, even Luke Dottie, who is not a full participant right now in practice. Um, Shane Beamer's holding him out, hoping that they'll have, you know, that that healthy quarterback besides Spencer going into to fall camp. But, you know, we, we look at this, Chad, and it feels like so if we're breaking down the, the second part you know it's Bryce Young and then okay who's it going to be is it going to be Hendon Hooker is it going to be Spencer Rattler um you know quarterback wise passing wise is it Will Rogers at Mississippi State um you know how do we really break this thing down um besides not the newcomers because like it's different like Haynes King at A&M or Anthony Richardson at Florida like those are quarterbacks we really haven't seen much of but from the guys returning I think you have to look at Hendon Hooker at second, maybe Spencer Rattler right there, and then you get into Will Levis and K.J. Jefferson. So there's a battle for that that second-best quarterback spot in the SEC. And, um, you know, I, I would think right now Hendon Hooker might have the little lead over that, but we'll see what Spencer and these other guys do over the next five months. Well, the, the one name that does not come to mind for number two in the SEC or number one is the defending national champion in Stetson Bennett. Uh, but yet – Kirby Smart is discussing him in Athens as they begin spring practice, and he wants more leadership out of his champion. Yeah, it was interesting, his comments, and, 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 and especially when he was talking about, you know, off the field uh, leadership and going to class and being a part of the team. You know, it's something that caught my eye, too. Like, he wasn't a captain last year for this Georgia football team uh, out of the, I think it was 17 or 18 captains that they had named for the, for the season. He wasn't a captain. So, you, you know, there's, 
it, it's kind of like, okay, let me publicly do this, Kirby Smart. You know, he he knows that Stetson Bennett can handle the criticism. Okay. But I think it's 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 kind of obvious that they're he they want him to take that next step when it comes to being the guy. And and look, Kirby talked about it as well. You have a quarterback that last last spring he was third string, fourth string. You know, entering fall camp, this is a guy that was you know not technically on the radar to be the starter, and then all of a sudden, bam, he's thrown in there. So maybe this spring, the practices that are going on right now, maybe that takes it. He can take that next step when it comes to being a leader, going into summer workouts and whatnot. But I did find it interesting that that Kirby Smart. Um, maybe he's keeping him on his toes, and that's completely understandable. But some of the things were interesting, especially about you know going to class, being a leader off the field, um, you know paying attention, picking up the offense, not having boneheaded throws and mistakes. He's really laying down the gauntlet for Stetson Bennett for this spring, leading into uh, to the summer into the fall. Trey Wallace with us covers the SEC for Outkick.com. Trey, is there another coach in the SEC that will discuss NIL the way Lane Kiffin will? Nope. I, I, we're we're going to find out. That's a little teaser. We're going to find out if there's another coach in the SEC that's going to talk about NIL. That'll come out in the next 24 hours. Um, but I, I think that, look, Lane gets it, and he's going to talk about it, and he's not afraid to talk about it, and he's not afraid to embrace it. And, and that's my biggest thing. I, I wrote about it earlier in the week, you know, Going back to Jimbo Fisher's comments on signing day, and and Lane Kiffin kind of brought that back up when he said I was called a clown, you know, for for voicing my opinion. But he also said, "Look, I love that the players are getting paid, but let's not act like this is not going on and this is realistic and this is what's happening. Like, you know, you're not demeaning. Here's the biggest thing: you're not demeaning your recruiting staff by saying that NIL played a factor in a, in, in a prospect coming to your school. We know how hard these recruiting staffs work, but let's not be oblivious to the to, the, the big elephant in the room, and that is NIL and, and how much money some of these kids are going to be paid once they sign with a school and get on campus and the endorsement deals that come after it or, or what can be promised based on what you can look at last season and, and how it played out for certain players. I agree with Lane Kiffin. I, I think this is free agency. Um, I'm I'm glad that he's talking about it. But there, if there was anybody in the conference that was really going to get ahead of this and talk about it the way it is, I think it would have been Lane Kiffin. Period. I mean, we've we've heard Kirby talk about it and Saban, and you know, we hadn't really heard much of Brian Kelly. And then Jimbo Fisher comes out and says, you know, uh, that's insulting to say that NIL played a factor and it's not on our campus and we don't control. It's like, man, you could embrace it. Like, what are you doing? You you look dumb by saying that it has nothing to do with your recruiting class. So I actually give a hat tip to Lane Kiffin. He's not scared to talk about it. And when it's brought up, you know, at least he's hitting it right on the nail and, and not just bouncing around the subject, Jonathan. How soon will you have a hog statue fountain installed at your place that matches Sam Pittman's? And how much do you think uh, Arkansas fans uh, soak up the fact that he's got this now as a feature piece at his lake house. Isn't that pretty cool? Like, whatever, man. If you're going to buy into the Arkansas culture, just biggest, you know, build a big-ass Arkansas <laughs> statue fountain right on your lake house. Like, it's just, you know, when everybody's riding by, it's like, oh, that's Sam Pittman's house. Um, <laughs> talk about embracing the culture, Paul. I mean, it, it you know, and that's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Uh, if I had the money, if I would probably talk. build some kind of statue. If only yeah, it if only 
We don't know though. Maybe you can go up to it and push a button to give some kind of hog sound. Who knows? I I, I don't know yet. Um, but I look, Sam Pittman, good for him. Whatever he wants to do to spend his enormous amount of money that he has, and he's gonna be in Fayetteville for a while. Um, I thought I thought it was pretty neat. And uh it's not like it's in Fayetteville, it's at his lake house too, which is just Crazy enough as it is, man. Just those coaches spending a lot more money on stuff nowadays in the SEC. That's a statue of which I approve, boys. The the hog? Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. Um, so if you're grading out SEC basketball hires in this last cycle, who are you picking that did the best job, Trey, of, of all the schools with the openings? Because they all ended up hiring mid-major guys with varying levels of success. So there was no real outside-the-box hire. Who are you picking? I mean, I, you know, so I got to watch Chattanooga a little bit this year. They were on television. I think we all kind of watched that, you know, in the, in the state of Tennessee. Um, I got to witness San Francisco up in person uh, in Indianapolis and, and, and Golden, uh, who was hired um, at Florida. You know, I. You got to witch, uh, witness Matt at, McMahon in person also uh, up there, LSU's yeah, new exactly. coach. Exactly. Well, exactly. And, and here's the thing I like what Murray State, I like what McMahon does with his offense. I really do. The kicker for me with that one is is what type of players are he's going to be able to get in over the next two years with everything kind of looming when it comes to the NCAA. That's one thing that stands out to me. Like if we're looking at overall hires, like I don't think it's Lamont Paris at, at South Carolina. That's not a shot. I don't think it's it's Golden really at, at Florida. I think McMahon kind of is is the leader of the pack. Missouri, Dennis Gates, come on. I'm, just, I'm not hating on Cleveland State and what the guy's done. But Missouri's been kind of a dead man walking in the conference for years now. So, you know, I I, I think it would be McMahon. Um, I, I don't really – the Mississippi State hire with Kranz, I don't – you know, it is what it is when it comes to Starkville. You're only going to be able to get one or two of those good players per year, even if that down there. I don't know that he makes that much of a difference, especially he's got a little bit of a pass to him as well, which is an interesting way for Mississippi State to go about that hire. Um, but, you know, looking at it overall – I would have to say McMahon, but then like it's like Mike White sitting there going from Florida to Georgia. Like we know what Mike White has done. Now the biggest thing is, Chad, can Mike White tap into that Georgia recruiting and actually do something in the state? And if he can, maybe he can find some success. But right now, you know, I I loved watching Murray State, and I like Matt McMahon. So I'm I'm going to go LSU right now, but it's going to depend a lot on who he can bring in there as and get players wise. Trey, final 45 seconds with you. Your thoughts on on the extension for for Rick Barnes at Tennessee through the 2026-27 season? I think it's smart. Wrap him up. Get it done. Whatever. He, he already got a, over a million dollars in bonuses after the season. Um, an extension is good. Um, I, I don't know what that means when it comes to his future. Maybe this was his final extension at Tennessee. Uh, it could be, and that's why they put that in there. Maybe he gave him a little soft deadline of how much longer he wants to coach. So they gave him an extension, but I thought, I thought it was a smart move. He deserved it. I know Tennessee fans are agitated about how the season ends, but they did something they haven't done since 1979. And by the way, also they won 27 games. So good for Rick Barnes getting that money. Trey, thank you as always. Um, you taking Arkansas over Gonzaga tonight? Uh, yes, I actually am taking Arkansas. J JD Note, Jalen Williams. I think they show out tonight. Um, and then uh, and we'll see what happens. We'll be uh, we'll be at the Final Four coming up, and yep. uh, maybe Arkansas will will make an appearance. And uh, by the way, 
Uh, keep an eye out on a uh, – I got a, a head coaching interview that should be coming out tomorrow in the SEC. So just a little teaser for you. Looking forward to that. Uh, Trey, appreciate you, man. Thanks. Uh, have a great day, guys. You can read Trey's work, and uh, you can check out uh, the interview. It will be a, a solid uh, head coach that will be a part of uh, OutKick tomorrow with Trey's coverage. OutKick.com for more. And you can follow Trey on Twitter at TreyWallace underscore. Coming up, what the trade for Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins has signaled in the AFC. That's next on OutKick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Glad you're with us from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Bruce Hall here. Going to get back into the Sweet 16 matchups a bit later. Armando Salguero, he'll join us in about 45 minutes. And uh, I think Tyreek Hill's talking right now. They just wrapped up the press conference there, uh, where, among other news, he, he said, uh, what did, he said, what was the slogan in, with the Rams? F them picks, is what he said uh, upon, upon his uh, press conference. He also Came prepared. <laughs> he also said, and pretty much confirmed, Drew Rosenhaus is his agent, and Rosenhaus had said that there was a trade set up between the Chiefs and the Jets prior to Miami getting involved. And Tyreek Hill today at the presser confirmed that, but then also said, like, yeah, I'm, I'm here because I wanted to be with the Dolphins, meaning the Jets were used to drive the price up, and boy, did they ever. Hey. Um, we, I, I mentioned yesterday, just to begin the show, that is quite the haul that Kansas City leaves with, and I, I think it, it signals uh, something big for both franchises. You talked yesterday, though. You raised a very good point about the, the player, uh, a, a trading team accommodating the player on the way out and how like the Falcons did what Matt Ryan wanted in accommodating him and giving him to the Colts without considering if they could have gotten more from somewhere else. I read last night or, or this morning at The Athletic that um, the Chiefs were very willing to let Tyreek Hill choose his team. And if he had wanted to go to the Jets, they would have traded him to the Jets. And we compared those offers yesterday. The Jets' offer was nowhere near as no. good. It that's, was three picks. That's dumb It business. started with the second-round pick that was six picks worse than the pick that they got. They would have taken the Jets' pick if Tyreek Hill preferred to play for the Jets. And it fits right in along with what you're saying, like a parting gift for a player that had done good work for you over the business of your own organization. And if that had gone that way, I would have called it, we could have called it a trend. Because, uh, well, I mean, I think the Raiders were the offer for Devontae Adams, but I didn't think it was a great offer there. He got to go where he wanted to go. Matt Ryan got to go where he wanted to go. Tyreek Hill got to go where he wanted to go. And not all these guys had no trade deals like Deshaun Watson did by any means. Uh, these are soft landings for players who reached impasses with teams. In the olden days, uh, Al Davis would have traded you to the place you least wanted to go to show you who's boss. 
Well, here's his quote, Tyreek Hill, and how close he was to picking the Jets. The, the question insinuates it was his. It was up to him. And he and says, that's what I read. He said, who? The Jets? Nah, man. I knew I was going to pick Miami no matter what. And if you're the Chiefs Dolphins, are lucky you know that, that the offer was more. Uh, they so should have offered less. Here's, here's what, there, there's two things that this signaled to me. Number one, there are teams in the AFC who believe they're extremely close, who think they are right there at the line separating playoff contenders and those who are not. And to me, if, if you, it's, it's, it's a deep list, but you can easily tell which teams think they're right there and which teams are waiting a year. There is a clear line of demarcation in, in the AFC for the NFL. And I think it also stands out the top teams in the AFC who have not made a move, a big move, and what's going on around them. This goes beyond just divisional matchups. Keep in mind, the AFC South and the AFC West play each other this year. So if you want to say, oh, you know, you're, you're battling against the Titans or the Colts and the other teams suck, on your schedule is the AFC West, which Killer. is stacked. Killer. So schedule matters, and, and head-to-head matchups matter for tiebreakers. And what they've done in the AFC West is huge. And keep, keep this in mind, too. Miami being in the AFC East, they don't have the West to contend with. And they I think the they, can, they can pick a, 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 up a win or two that maybe it's more difficult if you're playing the West on a casual, you know, every other week basis throughout the season. Um, picking up Tyreek Hill for them, and I, I heard some other people mention this, and we, we talked about it yesterday. This is, uh, this is on Tua. This is about Tua Tagovailoa, who is, if you look at his numbers, among the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. He's accurate because it's all short passes. They get the ball out fast. Part of that is Tua. Part of that is how atrocious their offensive line was. They've signed Teron Armstead. They bring in Tyreek Hill. They already have Waddle. Um, man for man, they probably have the fastest offensive lineup in the league now. And you couple that with a quarterback that they're trying to make a decision on, this is intriguing. And from a Kansas City perspective, they have been on top of the mountain. Four straight AFC championship appearances. They just signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling. From Green Bay. So and they had they had taken a look at him recently, but keep in mind for Kansas City. Kansas City is in a unique position where they're already paying a ton of money to a veteran quarterback. Now they're not like the Chargers who have loaded up in free agency because they have a rookie contract with their quarterback. But Kansas City, by trading Tyreek Hill, has kept the window open much longer than your typical team that has loaded up that has players depart in free agency. By one move, they've added multiple first-round picks. And, or, excuse me, one first-round pick this year and multiple second- and third-round picks, plus next year's fourth and, I believe, a fifth next year on top of that. The window of opportunity remains open for the Chiefs who, can, who, who set themselves up well by overhauling the offensive line last year and getting it right and now trade a veteran piece that has been huge for them, that's helped them across this entire run, and by trading this chip away, by making him happy, by giving him the mega contract that he wanted, they're now able to keep the door of opportunity open longer than your typical AFC leader due to the way the league is structured. Picking up from there, I, I, think, uh, I think we'd agree. High pressure on Tua. We talked about this yesterday. I'd extend that. 
to because the AFC is so stacked in quarterbacks, but you've got that seventh playoff spot. This is uh, the pressure is really up on the quarterbacks who are right at the edge, right? Oh yeah. So I would say Derek Carr, who I like a lot, who has a favorable situation now, presumably with a new offensive coach who's got a chance, a second chance here, and they brought in weapons for him. Huge year, a contract year. Derek Carr, big pressure year. Tua, I would say Mac Jones in his second year, a lot of pressure, though they'll try to make that less quarterback reliant. And Mitch Trubisky, who uh, inherits a team that went to the playoffs but didn't have very big expectations once it got there, replacing um, a guy and trying to hold off, doubtlessly, a draft pick. And you know who wish, wishes this move would have happened two weeks ago? Baker Mayfield. Oh, yeah. He's stuck. Baker Mayfield would be the perfect person to be in Miami backing up to a Tagovailoa yep. because you can do what Tannehill did. And guess who's there now? Teddy. Teddy Bridgewater. I'd great spot Teddy for him. I'd rather have Baker well, than Teddy. Not, more upside. Not but, just the moves you mentioned, Hutton. It's a great move for him. Who's Yes. If, if, you, if you're not winning early with Tua, you move to Teddy. And if, you, if they then draft next year, you're – you're the bridge while the rookie gets ready, depending on who he is. Well, not just the moves you mentioned in Miami. If going for it for the Dolphins right now, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, uh, Cedric Wilson, Connor Williams, also on the offensive line. Uh, they're loading up. And I'm also curious about Mike McDaniel and what how he factors into this in terms of the loading it up. I mean, we saw the video of him talking to Tua, you know, saying, we're going to get the absolute most out of your ability with what we're going to do on offense, that's a part of this also with what they're trying to do offensively. They're, they're going to be an interesting team to watch and follow this year. So Kansas City adds a 6-5 wide receiver in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but he runs like a 4-4. He's a good pickup. Like a high 4-3 maybe. So you've got him and Juju Smith-Schuster new, plus you could you could say control of the draft based on the picks they have if they want to move up and get the first choice of receiver they can and you you move hill who just got 70 million in fully guaranteed money on a multi-year contract and you pick up scantling and you're paying him 8, 18 million over the first 2 years of the contract yeah 30 so, conceivably total yeah so i mean so and smith schuster was cheap I, I think all the focus is on tyreek hill Kansas City is looking great right now because they draft well. And if you, you compare it to other teams that are still searching to find starters and pieces because they screw up the first round or second round, Kansas City gets it right in the fifth. They find starters in the fifth round to plug and play on their offensive line immediately. And because of that, they can cash in on this trade. Headlines when we return, including Broncos or Colts. Who are we taking?